0: Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us—the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Rev. Ashley Dargay, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus— the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you.
1: Our scripture from today is the first chapter of Ruth, and it's on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem and Judah went to live in the country of Moab, he and his wife and two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. And they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem and Judah and they went into the country of Moab and remained there. But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons. And these took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And when they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion also died, so that the women or the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. And then she started to return with her daughters-in-law from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had considered his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she had been living, she and her two daughters-in-law, and they went on their way to go back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back each of you, to your mother's house. And may the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find security, each of you, in the house of your husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and they said to her, No, we'll return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Do I still have sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I should have a husband tonight and bear sons, would you wait until they were grown? Would you then refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it has been far more bitter for me than for you, because the hand of the Lord has turned against me. And then they wept aloud again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not press me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do thus and so to me, and more as well, if even death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more to her. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, call me no longer Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned together with Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, who came back with her from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Growing up, when I visited my grandparents' home, I used to peruse the shelves of knickknacks and thrift store finds that were scattered across the house. There were vintage Morton salt coasters, which are now in my house. There were birdhouses, pictures of Elvis and John Wayne, dime novels and rusty lockets. But my favorite things to pick up were the kaleidoscopes. I'd put my eye up to the lens and spin the wheels around, feeling like I was in the middle of a disco. And I'd point it at a window as if I were an explorer and only I could see the way to where we were going. I'd take us across the ocean and discover a deserted island with a secret, shouting, ahoy matey, at any passerby. And then I'd point it at the floor to see light refracted from the colors as if I were a microbiologist, examining the vibrant dancing cells beneath my microscope. And I'd diagnose a disease and discover new cells and save humanity. And I think part of me loved kaleidoscopes so much because it reminded me of stained glass, and I have always been a church nerd. But instead of a fixed picture, the colors were always moving, changing hues and shapes with each new twist and turn, letting the mirrors inside create endless possibilities. It was a reminder that a whirlwind of change could make something beautiful. We read the first chapter of Ruth today. Now, her name is on the book, and her eventual marriage to Boaz is the top of the narrative arc, and she ultimately appears as just one in three women in the lineage of Jesus in Matthew. But... I might argue that this book is not really about Ruth, at least not primarily. You see, the Hebrew Bible is about the Hebrew people, specifically the work of God in what would become the nation and people of Israel. And Ruth is a Moabite woman who married into an immigrant family in her neighborhood in Moab. And Moabites were kind of a distant, distant relative descending from Lot with whom Israel wars periodically and says, well, at least we're not like them. And almost immediately after becoming a wife and settling into a new married life, she becomes a widow. And just like her Moabite sister-in-law in in the same boat, she was encouraged by her mother-in-law to return to her people decidedly not the Hebrew people, but the Moabites. And widows in that time were dependent on the families of their husband in this deeply patriarchal culture, just like the other cultures around them. So they could not simply live single lives of leisure and earn a living and reside quietly down the street. No, if their husband died, plan A was that they would marry a brother so that they could bear a child and be taken care of in their old age either a son who would receive the inheritance or a daughter who would marry into a family who might take in part of her family too. But Naomi had no more sons. She makes the point to say, look, even if I were to get pregnant right now, which LOL, because that ship has sailed, would you really want to wait until that kid was an adult? So Ruth and Orpah's only option in Naomi's family would be to be married off to a distant relative in a faraway land that they have never known, Judah, which is a risky option anyway because they are Moabites. And there is this whole thing about intermarriage in the Torah being forbidden. So Naomi gives them an out. Go back to your family. Hope to marry again. You're young. Be with your parents and siblings and people. Stay in the only home you've ever known. It's unlikely you'll be accepted in Judah anyway because our people have lots of laws about not marrying foreigners and that's kind of what my sons did. So return to your family of origin and just start over. Go with God. Orpah decides to do just that, which makes all the sense in the world and is a kindness afforded to her by her mother-in-law. But Ruth doesn't return home with Orpah. She instead attaches herself to Naomi. And somewhere between Moab and Judah, the story slows down and the women converse. And they give voice to what is at stake for each of them as they decide where home even is, what home means, I cannot stress enough that these two women don't technically owe each other anything. Because of the patriarchal realities of their lives, they're powerless in many ways. So no one would blame them for parting ways. It makes more sense for them to do so. But in Ruth's beautiful declaration of loyalty that's often used in marriage vows, she rejects that way of thinking and forges ahead, believing the future could be something that they build together. And it would be. As we see later in scripture, Ruth's progeny would include Israel's beloved yet troubling King David, and further down the line, her Moabite origins would result in the birth of Jesus. But like I said before, this story is not about Ruth. I know it feels that way at the moment, but the story begins with Naomi's family, her Hebrew family in a testament about the Hebrew people. And when Ruth responds to Naomi's kind offer to return to her Moabite people, the story shifts its focus back to Naomi. At the beginning of the story, she left with an abundant life in a time of famine in her homeland. And now she returns to Judah empty in a time of abundance in her homeland, the barley harvest. Naomi is at the mercy of the family and people she left behind all those years ago. And the book of Ruth is only about 88 verses long, but the word turn or another form, return, occurs 15 times, 12 times in chapter 1. So it seems for Naomi, turning and returning are the themes of her life. And in this story that disguises itself as a story about her daughter-in-law, it is Naomi who is the object of redemption. She is the one who returns. Ruth's faithfulness is only the instrument God uses to accomplish her redemption. And she's an unlikely instrument, to be sure. In so many of our homecoming stories in this series, we see intersecting the message of return that the one we think of an outsider is the one who gets it, the one who gets what God is doing. And in the grand story of God, whose tales of redemption are told over and over again and are recapitulated throughout scripture. The unlikely is where the divine dwells. The unexpected somehow brings us home. In the enslaved people of Egypt, in a burning bush on the outskirts of the desert, in the strange bread that appears like dew in the relationship formed between two women from opposing peoples. God seems to be popping up and surprising the people whom God loves. So doesn't it seem that ultimately, this story of the extraordinary faithfulness of one woman to another is about the extraordinary faithfulness of God? The parable-like nature of this story encourages us to be like Ruth, but it also highlights that we are very much like Naomi, especially after this year. We are bereft, having lost so much, our jobs, our routines, our beloved ministries, people we love, and perhaps most troubling time. No one would bat an eye at us saying, no, no, don't call me Naomi anymore. Just call me Mara, for my life is bitter. It is a shell of what it was when I first set off on an adventure all those years ago. So sure of our futures and so happy with our decisions and so full of dreams and hope. But those things have lost their sweetness now. My life is only bitterness. And whether our lives reflect Naomi's or Ruth's, in this moment, the good news for the people of God is that God is always weaving redemption, showing up in the unlikely, sustaining, even in the times of greatest sorrow. I mean, this is not to say that everything happens for a reason or that these are blessings in disguise. God is far too nuanced for those hot takes. But it is to say that in Ruth's promise to Naomi is a promise for us. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Ruth rejects the way of thinking that they didn't owe each other anything and forges ahead, instead believing that the future was something that they could build together. And perhaps that is what we are doing here today. We are people of this faithfulness and redemption. These are our faith forebears. And even when our culture says that we don't technically owe one another anything, we forge ahead believing that the reign of God is something we can only do together. And even when we are encouraged to prioritize our own rights, we are a people who instead ask, what are my obligations as a person of God? Even when we are tempted to turn inward and away from one another, each in our own grief, we are a people who cling to one another, who take each other by the freshly sanitized hand and put one foot in front of the other. Because we understand that our fates are inextricably linked. Naomi returned home to Judah a different person than when she left. She makes that clear by changing her name. But she did not return alone. And neither do we. Like. Naomi and Ruth, we are making home a place we build together, helping each other let go of dreams and what ifs and nostalgia, and instead pick up what is and make something beautiful together. This is the work of redemption after all. Not that everything remains the same, but that God sustains us through the changes, giving us each other. So perhaps our life with God is less like the fixed stained glass and more like a kaleidoscope, the color always changing, the world always spinning. But in all the twists and turns, we continue to mirror the
0: faithfulness of God to one another. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and and the sharing of resources to support this podcast and the ministries of azel christian church visit azelchristianchurch.org here you can contribute through giving online or find our venmo information if you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers contact us through our website and we will be in touch talk to you soon